Welcome back to Clay, the podcast for Christian men courageously leading, always yearning. Clay in his hands, molded, being made better every day, being made more into the man that God has called you to be in the first place. My name is Justin. I am your host, and today I've got a special one for you. We're going to be taking a look at two men who are great examples of what it looks like to be Clay in his hands, and these men come from, you guessed it, the Bible, the best book that there is out there, uh, the best piece of literature that you could pick up and read and study and pour over and get to know, especially as a man who wants to be the best that they can be, a courageous leader always yearning for more of him. The whole book, it's about Jesus, and you ought to be reading it. You ought to be reading it every day. You ought to be in it. You ought to want more of it. And the more you find yourself in it, the more you're going to want to be in it. That is uh, truth. And uh, you know what? You can argue it all you want. You can look at yourself in the mirror and you can tell yourself that you're too busy, that you don't have the time, or it just doesn't speak to you. Uh, The truth is you're just not prioritizing it. You're just not making it part of your life. And that is on you. So own it. Own it and do something about it. That being said, the two gentlemen that we're going to spend some time talking about today is Peter and Paul. Yes, Paul is an easy one. Paul is an easy one to look at and go, okay, this guy is obviously a great example of what it means to be clay. Uh, He didn't really have a choice, (laughs) some might say. Uh, On the road to Damascus, uh, he finds himself blind, needing help. And then uh, a couple days later, he gets the help that he's looking for. And what does he do? He turns his way, he turns his path, he turns his life over to Jesus. And he he becomes a, a new man. And it's yes, there is an instant uh, change overnight. But this man lived life one way for an extended period of time, his whole life up until this point. And then has a dramatic change in his uh, belief system, for one, and then the way that he continues to go about living his life. The way that he continues to go about being Paul, uh, well, I mean, he was initially Saul, right? Uh, name change, life change, everything change. Now, I'm not telling you that uh, you need to go change your name uh, to be a great example of what it looks like to be clay in his hands. But as you read Paul's letters to the churches, Paul's letters to Timothy, Paul's letters uh, in, in, in general, across the board, all of his letters, they show a man who is encouraging and challenging everybody to continue to change and to grow closer to Jesus, to grow closer to him, to develop a relationship, to build their life around what it means to follow Jesus and who the person of Jesus is, professing their faith and contending for it and sharing it, continuing that message, continuing the preaching of and the expansion of the gospel to the nations. This was uh, Paul's uh, Paul's letters and, and his heart behind all of this. And to also foster and nurture and lead the early church. There's letters of correction and discipline, and this is how you should be doing this, not how you guys are currently doing it, etc., etc. But Paul is a radical, radical change in a, a person that we get to look at and, and see exemplified right before us in these pages. And then there's Peter. There's Peter, who uh, a fisherman, uh, who becomes a disciple of, of Jesus's, one of his first 12 disciples, the original apostles. And then uh, he, he kind of has a couple of moments that are really great that we get to read about. And then he's got a few moments that are really dull, they're really dumb. You know, at one point, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, right? 
And then, of course, everybody knows that Peter denied Jesus before the rooster would crow. And we look at that and we go, man, Peter, Peter's kind of a slouch. He's kind of lame. He kind of, he kind of really, well, he just kind of really stunk it up, didn't he? But did he? He continued to press forward. And then there was that moment, that period of time where he wasn't so sure. Jesus died. You know, he rose again, but wasn't so sure. And then he finds himself in the boat in John 21. And he sees Jesus on the shore. And actually, if you read it and you pay attention to what you're reading, uh, it's it sounds more like he heard that Jesus was on the shore before he even took a moment to to even look and confirm and ask questions. We don't we don't get a dialogue here of Peter going, well, are you, are you sure that that's him? Like, wait over there on the shore? Like, are you sure that that's Jesus? No, he strips off his outer robe and he jumps in. He, he dives in. He dives in and he swims to shore. And what is it that carries him to shore other than his heart to be near his Savior again? And then there's that dialogue where uh, Jesus tells Peter to feed a sheep three times after asking him if uh, he loves him three times and makes Peter uh, essentially uh, walk through this uh, this painful yet, uh, yet uh, restorative process of, uh, yes, I know that you denied me, and here I am. I'm, I'm calling on you. I, am, I told you once I'm going to build the church on you, and guess what? I'm still going to do that. And so we see a man who completely denies Jesus, who then becomes the rock that the church is built on. You turn the pages and you follow, follow your way into Acts and, and you see this. And uh, you see Peter's sermons and you uh, see his leadership and how integral he was to the early church right there before you, a few pages after this incident in John 21. So what's the big deal? Why does this matter? Why am I calling to light these two gentlemen for you today? Personally, it's because I'm tired of hearing men talk about how they are the way they are and it just is what it's going to be and that's just how they are and it's never going to change because that's who they are. In some areas, that may be an asset, that may be a a skill even, that may be something that's worth holding on to with that death grip that you're holding on to it. You may think that because uh, you were raised a certain way or because your life has painted this story that uh, you just are the way that you are. You have the habits that you do. You think the way that you do. You speak the way that you do. And you can't change. And that's a pretty lame perspective to look at your life and assume that nothing can ever change. Nothing can ever become something better or different or develop into uh, something that is more impactful to those around you because you just are the way you are. And there's just nothing you can do about it. For example, this is a really shallow, lame example in some cases, but the getting up earlier in the morning, five minutes, 10 minutes, spending some time with Jesus. How many excuses can we write down for why we don't do that? Why we can't get ourselves out of bed five, 10 minutes earlier to spend a little bit of time with Jesus in the morning before we go about our day, before we go about whatever it is he has for us for the day. Why? Why is that so difficult? Well, some for, for, for some, and I've heard this, and it's just it's ironic and it's weird. I just, I just can't get up that early in the morning. Well, why not? I just, it just, I am it's just the way that I am. I just need my sleep. Okay, go to bed five minutes earlier. Go to bed a little bit earlier. Well, I, I like, 
oh, no, 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 you're, you're trying to convince me that you like waking up at the last possible second so that you can do what? You can rush out of the house to work, you can make breakfast real quick, you can watch YouTube probably or scroll through Instagram or whatever you're doing in the morning. You, you like that. You like the rush of the morning. Okay, sure. Sure. You can't get up five minutes earlier to spend some time with Jesus because you like the chaos of your morning. That's pathetic. And you know that it's pathetic. And you know that it's absolutely 100% lame. And it's an excuse. And part of being men is helping each other to be aware of these excuses. Pointing them out, calling them out, sure. But really, if you are living a life as a courageous leader, if you're stepping into those leadership roles that are so prevalent and so obvious in so many ways, and sometimes not obvious because you're just living your life and you find out that you have influence over people and you're just not thinking about it, always yearning for more Jesus in your life as your center, as your focus, as your rock, then these things will compound in your life, these habits, these moments of of growth and decision, these things will happen. And you will have in your own life revealed to you in your pursuit of a deeper relationship with Jesus, conviction over the things that you need to root out of your life, that you need to dig up, that you need to toss in that yard waste bin and get out of your life. And in doing so, you will not have to tell or point or or have those weird conversations where you tell somebody that they're not doing something right when you yourself are not doing it right. What will happen is that as a byproduct, people in your life, your Bible study group, your men's groups, your small groups, life groups, your community, they will look and they'll start to see you as somebody who is taking charge and ownership over this life that God has gifted to you, that he has blessed you with, taking ownership over the resources that he has given you, and, t- and making the most of it, making the best of it. They will see that in the way that you live your life, the way that you communicate, the way that you talk, the way that you lead, the way that you gather with others, the way that you spend time with your family, the way that you treat your neighbors, the way that you treat your employees, if you are the business owner and if you have that privilege, or uh, if you've earned it, rather, uh, I, would, I would say. I don't I don't want to limit business owners to a, a privilege of employee relationships, uh, but vice versa goes the same way, right? Uh, for you who are employees and have a boss, the way that you work, the way that you put your effort into your job, all of these things, they compound and they, they help you to elevate your status in your community as a leader and as somebody that's worth following, as somebody that's worth looking to, as an example that is worth learning from and growing uh, with because of or as a result of, that's the man that you can be. That's where clay comes into play. That's where uh, we are to be molded and used for his kingdom's cause, his purposes, his purposes beyond our purposes. That is why our perspective and our attitude has got to be focused, focused on this yearning for more of him. But if you were to step back and look at your life, what is it that you yearn for the most? Is it that episode of that show on any night of the week? Is it rest that you think that you need? No, some of you absolutely do need rest. Some of you listening to this right now, you need to pull your head 
up out of where the sun don't shine and realize that you're moving 100 miles an hour in 18 different directions and you're not getting anything done whatsoever. Some of you have your head shoved up so far up there, you're still not seeing anything and you're not even doing anything to begin with. You just think that you're super busy. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about here and know that you're just falling back to the excuses that have held you back so often for so long. Satan wants you to keep telling yourself those excuses. He wants you to keep looking in the mirror and saying, man, I am just too busy to join that men's Bible study group. I am just too busy to meet up at 6 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday once a month to pray with some men from the church that I go to about the community, about our government, about whatever. The list goes on and on and on of things to pray for, right? You think that the life that you're living, you think that the life that you're living is so chaotic and so overwhelming and so bogged down with stuff and things and 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 commitments and all of this stuff and, and yet you don't step back and go, wait a second, I'm the one who's chosen to make that commitment there. I'm the one who chose to spend my time that way last night. I'm the one who has four different TV shows that I'm trying to keep up on. I'm the one who spends hours upon hours a week on my phone doing nothing productive. I'm the one who's blowing this time away and just kissing it away day in and day out. That's me. Okay, great. First step done. You've acknowledged the problem. You've acknowledged the problem. Now, what are you going to do with it? What do you want to change about your life? What do you want to change about your relationships? What do you want to change about the way that you think about opening up the Word of God? Maybe you need to quit calling it a Bible and start calling it the Word of God. Do you believe that it's the Word of God? Is it just sitting on your shelf collecting dust? Oh, hold on. No, it's the app on your phone. I forgot. Okay, great. Let's decide how we're going to read it. And let's decide what our perspective is of it. It's not just words that you should read. It's not just good ideals and principles. It's not a book about how to be a good man. Yeah, you can learn an awful lot about uh, being an excellent man, after God's own heart, in fact. But it's, it's God's word. It's God's word. Think about that. The God of the universe saw fit to give you Words from him, penned down by men, words from him to read, to pour over, to study, to learn from. How incredible is that? That's that's huge. That's absolutely huge. If you're not excited about that, then let's start there. God, would you make me excited to get into your word? As I open up your word today, show me what you have for me. And I'm going to come back to this book every single morning. Every single morning because I know that it is your word. And that's how I want to start my day. That's how I want to start my day. In your word. At your, uh, at the foot of your throne. Basking in your words. Your heart. I want to know what your heart is for me, Lord. I want to know what your heart is for the world. I'm going to get into your word. That's going to inform the rest of your day. That's going to inform the rest of your time. Don't 
Don't allow your excuses, the reasons that you think you can't change, the reasons you think you can't grow, to become these balls and chain that are just holding you back. That's, that's asinine. Come on, man. We're better than that. It takes a bit of humility. It takes accepting the fact that you don't have all of the answers. You don't have all of the answers. Paul and Peter, these two gentlemen that I mentioned before, they didn't have all of the answers. It didn't stop them, though, did it? It didn't stop them from preaching and confessing his name. And it didn't stop them from encouraging, strengthening, and challenging the believers to make disciples who make disciples, who make disciples. And so what is it that is holding you back? What is it that is keeping you from opening up your mouth and starting that Bible study at work? What is it that is keeping you from getting involved outside of your Sunday morning commitments and your occasional life group that you tend to flake out on? What is it that, outside of those things, that is calling you to a higher mission, to a a more involved mission before you? What is it that's keeping you from investing in the relationships, even within your own household, with, with your own family, with your kids, with your wife? What is it that's keeping you from picking up the sword and going to battle for those people, for those key relationships that you have been trusted with, that you have been given the responsibility to lead? What is it that's holding you back? What is it that is keeping you from stepping onto the battlefield and wielding that sword and going to town? What is it that's keeping you back? What is it that's holding you back? Write it down. Really spend some time and critically think about this. What are the gaps? What are the obstacles that are keeping you from becoming the man that you so long to be? You can't tell me that you're perfectly happy with who you are today and that there's nothing that you would improve upon. There's nothing that you would change. You, you can't, you, are you telling me that you're perfect? If you are, you're full of crap. Come on, man. Come on. God did not create you to sit on your hands and watch the world pass you by. He didn't create you to be a bump on a stump. He didn't create you to sit around and just let the world go on without you. He created you for purpose. He created you to be with him. And he gave you breath in your lungs. He gave you a life to live. And you can live it in multiple ways. You can squander it. You can live it for the world. You can live it for the things of the world. You can live trying to be accepted by the world, wanted by the world, cherished by the world. And you know what? It's all empty. The world is full of empty dreams, empty hopes, and empty desires but we will chase them until we're blue in the face, won't we? We will chase them until we have nothing left to give those things. And yet the life that God is calling us to is far better and far higher purposed. And you know what? Some of those things may come along the way. Some of those things may happen as a result of the work that you put in to the life that you've been given. And I'm not going to poo-poo that. I'm not going to downplay that. I'm not going to call that a, a, a negative thing whatsoever. I recognize that I live a blessed life. I live a blessed life in this nation, in the house that I live in. I've got two working cars. There is uh, plenty that I have to be grateful for 
in this life that the world would look at and say, man, you're doing pretty good. But guess what? My pursuit isn't for more of those things. My pursuit isn't for more of the stuff, of the things of the world to get the accolades of the world. Yeah, I like nice things. Who doesn't? You do too. We all like the nice stuff. We all like the higher quality stuff. But that's all it is. It's stuff. That's all it is. It's stuff. That's not what I'm talking about pursuing here. That's not why we make ourselves better. That's not why we put in the work to become better men. It is because there are people counting on us. There are people counting on you. There are people counting on you to pave the way, to show them by example, to show them through leadership, to show them what it means to be a man after God's own heart, pursuing him, yearning for more of him. That is what people are looking for. That is what people need to see. You don't need to have it all figured out. Paul and Peter didn't have it all figured out. They didn't have all of the answers. They didn't have all of the pedigree that was needed in their mind. They just kept moving. They just kept stepping forward in faith and trusting in God to do what he set out to do. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do now? Are you going to let these words fall on deaf ears? Are you going to do something about it? There are plenty of things in this episode that you could talk about with any number of friends that you could start any number of conversations with. So do it. Share the show, guys. Share the show. That's how this show will grow. Forward it out. Send this on. Share it with your brothers. And let's build a community of men who are the courageous leaders that God has called us to be, always yearning for more of Him. Imagine what the outcome of a ton of men hundreds, thousands of men living life, pursuing more Jesus, yearning for more Jesus in their life, leading and willing to lead, willing to step into that battlefield, wielding the sword, going to work, putting in the effort. What would that look like in your community? What would that look like in your church? What would that look like where you are today? What would it look like? Let's take charge. Let's be the men that God has called us to be. And if you want to help the show grow, you can share it. You can leave a review on whatever platform that you listen to this show on. It's greatly helpful. It's greatly appreciated. Leave that five-star review. It will help us to uh, rise up in the rankings of podcasts and to be seen uh, by more people that are looking for the content that we provide here via Clay. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Praying for you. Talk to you soon.